me tell you about Anchor by Spotify, which is the easiest way to make a podcast and the app that I use to make this podcast, Five Blue Firefighter. It's everything you need all in one place. First, Anchor has all the tools to record and edit your podcast right from your phone, tablet, or computer. If you host off Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple, and many others. Everything you need all in one place. And best of all, it's totally free. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, download Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Five Tool Firefighter Podcast. My name is Nick Higgins, firefighter and author of the Five Tool Firefighter book. Each week, we bring you an inspiring message or person to help you become the best version of yourself you could be. This journey is for the long haul, not the short. Now let's start our journey to becoming the best version of ourselves we could be. Welcome back to the Five Tool Firefighter. This episode today is not our traditional style. This is an episode that I recorded with Chief Tom Marciano in the Firehouse Tribune Kitchen Table web series back in July of 2022 with a guest, Paul Shoemaker of Next Level Extrication. This episode, we discussed ion lithium batteries and electric vehicles and the work he's doing in regards to understanding lithium batteries and electric vehicles for the fire service. So we recorded all this, and this is what something I want to put on the podcast. And I felt instead of doing two episodes, two speaking twice, taking up more time, I figured we would just do one and post it in both places. So if you don't get to watch it on YouTube, you can listen to it here at the Five Tool Firefighter. Another great way to keep your your firematic extrication and extrication stuff up, up and learn more and keep keep in, keep inspiring, keep growing, and keep being the best version of self that you can be. So sit back, listen to this episode. Feel free to go to YouTube, watch it there. Either way, I hope you guys enjoy it. All right, welcome to our episode of Firehouse. Tribune Kitchen Table Web Series. This episode's special guest, we have Paul Shoemaker of Next Level Extrication. We're going to talk ion batteries, electric cars. We're going to go down a rabbit hole. So, guys, let's listen in and have this great conversation and see what Next Level Extrication has to talk about today and bring some great information to the fire service. So, Paul, thanks Hello. for joining. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, let me just give you a little background so everybody who's watching kind of knows about me. Um, you know, I own an extrication company that kind of funneled down the specific pathway of turning into, uh, teaching people about lithium ion batteries, uh, EV fires mainly. And then as EV fires became a concern, I started going down the pathway of just lithium ion batteries in general, uh, because of the consistent fire behavior between either a vehicle or a scooter or stored energy panels in your garage. It really didn't matter what it was. It just mattered the intensity that these fires were carrying. And uh, I work with NFPA and I work with UL, uh, both on their, on their boards as an SME for uh, specifically NFPA is electric vehicle extrication and electric vehicle fires um, with some other boring things that I do for them. And then the other thing is, is UL is uh, specifically lithium ion batteries. And I do all their um, SME stuff to help them with testing and things that we would want to see in the fire service. You know, what we're looking for is what are the answers that we can give the fire service? 
as a firefighter? What are you scared about that we will try to get you either readings on or numbers on what kind of behavior you're going to see so we can inform the fire service uh, prior to us showing up to these things and being able to handle them. So that's kind of my background. I've been doing this for about uh, in total, uh, probably EV fire stuff, maybe six years. Um, but the, the extrication thing has been going for about 11 to 12 years. So, um, which brings me to what I think the biggest question is in the fire service is for one, what are we talking about when we're talking about lithium ion batteries? I kind of briefly touched on it already, but it was um, anything from the small little scooters that are concerning to a firefighter. And we'll talk about why all the way to your large battery packs um, in, in vehicles and, and also uh, stored energy, which is in your garage or in some states, they're putting them in your basement. Um, a scooter you know, to give people ideas, lithium ion battery wise is maybe in the hundred range, hundreds range of total lithium ion batteries, depending on if it's like a, one of the riding scooter bikes, or it's more of a scooter that you stand on, it kind of all varies to your vehicles. Uh, some of the commercial vehicles coming out that are FedEx purchased, uh, they're upwards of 10,000 to um, even some pictures I have of a company called, um, it's called Nicola, who actually is in Colorado, is uh, already here with four semi trucks that operate completely on batteries. And that is on the road here in Colorado. It's owned by a company called Wagner, which is Wagner Tool Rentals. You know, they do big commercial shipping of uh, diggers and things like that. Those are on the road. Those are up upwards of 20 plus thousand batteries on those things. So when we talk about what we talk about tonight, we have to understand that the fire behavior at a very low level of a scooter and what it does in its violent behavior and now start picturing vehicles and, and large vehicles and the setting that they're in um, because that plays a big role as well. Um, one of my things that I'll say. And I, when I'm out teaching classes, I tell people all the time is my fear isn't that any manufacturer created a vehicle to be difficult for the fire service to handle. The difference is how do we handle them and how do we extinguish them? I.e. we have homes that are built nowadays that can burn down three times faster than we've ever seen before because we use different wood than we've used and, and it's cheaper. And we converted 25 years ago from this legacy to modern construction. And we just evolved like we always do in the fire service. We're going to evolve around this. And a car on the side of the road on fire is no big deal. It just takes a little more time, kind of a little bit of a, of a specific tactic you have to take, you know, driven by policies and what, what your operation is going to allow you to do. But, um, my concern is whether it's a scooter or it's a car in your garage or a scooter in your home, those are the ones that I think uh, in the fire service uh, give us the biggest possible issue slash concern for firefighter safety and the outcome of, of what's going to happen to a firefighter if we don't take the right steps uh, because of that violent behavior that lithium ion batteries produce. Uh, it definitely makes it super 
nerve wracking to me as somebody who's seen this in live testing and think of the fact that a firefighter is just going to walk up and do something. And next thing you know, um, they're seriously injured. So got any questions so far? You want me to keep digging into this? Um, one, I think, cause it's kind of like the beginning. Yeah. Is there a difference between some of these batteries that are made here in the United States versus some of the ones that are made like say China? Is it, or, or is there, does it not matter? And they're all kind of self, you know, combusting. You know, I don't necessarily have the answer for how they produce them in China. I know that what we're testing right now is a pretty standard battery at UL. It, it kind of hits every perspective on how they're built. Lithium packed into a little uh, cell, you know, like a double A battery style. It doesn't look exactly like a double A. It's actually a little bit wider and a little bit taller, but you get the concept. All of the way that they pack them in there. So we are learning right now currently at this stage is they're just kind of all produced the same i do think there are other precious metals that are starting to be introduced to hopefully eliminate some of the reaction that we're seeing plus give a little bit of a longer battery life out of the the vehicles we just aren't seeing enough of them to be produced as the as the dominant battery out there the dominant battery is the one that you're seeing in your evs on the road currently right now um, and that battery oddly enough when they get into the scooters, they're a little bit smaller, but your vehicle battery is the exact same thing that you'll see inside your stored energy that's inside your garage or whatever it is. The batteries are no different. I mean, it, you could, you know, theoretically, you could just take that, that pack that's on side of the garage wall and you can just bring it down and stick it underneath the car and it works the same way. So those behaviors would be identical versus maybe a scooter's a little bit of a different built battery because you can't stick those things in a small little surface wheel to wheel. It's this, you know, kids are riding on them and you're putting a little bit of batteries underneath there. They, they compact those a little bit more. All right. Makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the fear because I think this might bring up a little bit more of, a, of an idea. So, you know, bottom line is I tell people that a lot of this is driven off of policies that your chief's going to feel comfortable with. It depends on what they want to see, what they want to do. What do they think the public's going to think of a fire department who may look like they're not doing anything, but in turn, I, I, I would believe it's actually probably the best thing based off of manpower, based off of water supply issues, based off of, in, you know, in Colorado right now, we're in a stage one drought. So like wasting any water in Colorado is probably not a good idea right at the moment. We just don't have enough of it um, would be like saying to somebody, do I think it is the right thing to let an electric vehicle burn? I don't think it's out of the picture. It probably would be my number one suggestion, knowing just the time, the energy and the resources that go into it. And those things we talked about water. I don't, I don't know if there's, it's, if it's worth it. Um, if it's, you know, off gassing and venting, it's at very early stages. Uh, then, then probably putting water on it is something we got to do just to try to keep it cool and keep it from going into a thermal runaway. So what I mean by that, cause this will lead into where the fear comes from when I'm talking about, uh, what's the dangers associated with it is once an EV is on fire, the, the, the issue there is that the batteries are burning at about 2,500 degrees. So 
those batteries can rip through each other one after another after another at 2500 degrees and burn right through metal as if it was a blowtorch because it's 2500 degrees and no no surface can handle that once it's ignited uh their cars are built around modules and in those modules are specific battery packs of maybe 500 or 600 cells and those modules are supposed to slow the production of fire spread throughout the modules but at 2500 degrees what's going to stop anything at that point so that's kind of like my thought of do we let it burn well now it's at 2500 degrees and we've already got multiple batteries involved how long is it going to take for us to cool this down it's in a metal casing squished it's made to drive down the road and not get water in the battery pack so how are we going to get water in there it would all determine on if it's already burned through the floorboard and we can actually get penetration with our hose stream and directly cool those batteries there's a lot to play with that um when it's off gassing is is when i'm saying to what people would think is is it's smoking uh they are not smoking in fact there's nothing about this that's smoke every bit that's happening happening is a chemical reaction it's um it's electrolytes breaking down inside the battery going into this thermal runaway and as it's getting hot and heated it's starting to push all of that gas and vent itself naturally it's venting to cool itself that's what the battery packs are designed around that's what the manufacturers have created it's trying to cool itself so it it has vent holes, it's pushing it out, it's turning. If you look at pictures online of any pre-ignition electric vehicle or even a slightly ignited vehicle but is still venting, you'll see this white, white smoke coming out of there. And I describe it to a lot of people as like, um, is, and I say smoke because I'm trying to paint a picture, white smoke as you show up, like the dry ice trick during Halloween, right? Where you set your dry ice on the table, throw some water in there and it spools out and then it hovers low to the ground. That's the gases identical to what you see in an electric vehicle thermal runaway. Typically fire will be a blowtorch in one area to start because what originally is happening is it is releasing carbon dioxide, um, and it is releasing a bunch of volatile organic compounds is how it is classified. But when it releases the volatile organic compounds, what that means in layman's terms is it starts producing more carbon dioxide, but it starts to introduce hydrogen. As it breaks down even more, it starts to produce more hydrogen, and and then it's got some... um, CO and, and these other things. Um, the two main ones is exactly what I just said is everybody's probably concerned and why I'm concerned about these things being in a closed environment. You're producing a carbon or a oxygen deficient atmosphere at the very beginning with hydrogen. The two of those things are being produced until it gets the oxygen, nothing gets ignited. Until it gets its fuel source, it, nothing gets ignited, right? We have to have that fire triangle. In an outside environment, it's going to find its oxygen. It's going ign- to warm itself to its ignition temperature, and it's going to ignite it one way or another, but it's going to vent outside. So whoop de doo 
you know, we just need to stop that, cool it, or if the chief allows and says, listen, let's drag this thing out of the way of any exposures and let's let this thing burn. Well, then let's do that. If your chief says, let's dig a hole, fill it up with water and stick it in that hole. Well, well let's do that. The problem I'm having is grasping what fi the fire service, and this is a major test that we're doing currently right now in UL is we're doing it with stored energy packs, but we're trying to figure out what is it doing in an enclosed environment as it goes and starts to go into a thermal runaway? Think of you shutting a garage door and letting this battery off gas for an unknown amount of time. Let's just give it because, you know, we could get into timing and, and how unpredictable it is, but we're just going to say an unknown amount of time, maybe around three hours and you fill a cavity up compartment with three hours of carbon dioxide in a garage and hydrogen. And if it's sitting in there, it's missing something, right? As it, as it mixes these gases, it's producing that chemical right away to take oxygen out of that atmosphere. And it's producing lots of that. That's number one. The other thing it's producing lots of is that hydrogen. We come into this scenario as a homeowner calling and saying, well, we have a, an odor. It smells horrible. And lithium smells disgusting. I mean, it just is a weird, nasty smell. And uh, we come in and we're like, well, let us figure out what's going on here, ma'am or sir. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to go ahead and go through your house. I'm going to go ahead and check everything out. I can't find anything. I got my monitor. All of a sudden, you take your monitor up towards the garage door. You're starting to get a hit the gas and the organic compounds and all that stuff are so nasty, it clogs your foregas and starts giving you false readings almost instantaneously. And so now you go, you know what? I got a weird reading right here. Let me go ahead and open that garage door. It's gotta be something in your garage that's doing that. And you open that garage door. Now we just let exactly what it was looking for to have. We just gave it. And that, that's that oxygen. Now that oxygen sucks in to the red hot batteries because they're like molten lava at this point, just waiting for that oxygen. Oxygen creeps in, you know, and how fast this happens, don't have, can't tell you every, every scenario is different, but I'm giving you the worst scenario. It's, it seeps into that red hot molten lava, gives its ignition temperature, gives it its oxygen. And then what's the rest of that room filled with? what we would say is a bomb because hydrogen is a bomb and you you just gave it everything it was looking for and it ignites and where does that pressure go and pressure goes to the path of least resistance and and you're the firefighter standing in front of that door on top of that you got multiple firefighters inside and the fear is that these things have the ability to blow garage doors 200 plus feet off the front of the house and completely blow a hole through the roof when the door is shut. Imagine that much pressure now trying to come back into that house, what it would do to every window and you standing in its way. That, that is the stuff when I talk about lithium ion battery fires is the game changer for concerns for firefighter safety. It is not the vehicle on the side of the road. That vehicle, it's either let it burn or let's go over some cool techniques and let's cool this thing and put it out. 
And we'll do that in about 3,500 to maybe 5,000, 6,000 gallons, not in 30,000 gallons. Worst situation, we bury it. And that's what I mean. We, we put it in a hole, we give it 4,000 gallons of water. That's all that thing gets. We're not giving it anymore. If it's getting to that 5,000 plus range, we, let's just let that thing burn. Let's not waste any water. This one is the one that we don't have the ability to identify it well enough to know when we're going to put a firefighter in that situation and how that's going to come across uh, in the fire service when, when the first firefighter takes that hit. So let me give you this and interrupt at any time, but let me give you this scenario because a lot of people are like, well, this doesn't make sense. Well, at UL, we have so much information. We're trying to gather it too, just so everybody knows. This is not like Paul's way. This is, this is years of research that we're trying to figure this out. Uh, the next process that we're going to do is we are actually doing an explosive test with these gases to find out the pressure that it puts out. Right now, we're looking at burn temperatures. We're looking at what kind of chemicals come off the batteries when you put water on them. How harsh is the chemical, the smoke, when it is on fire and the gassing, how toxic is it to us? That's the stuff we're focusing on right now, but we are getting to the explosive portion of it. Um, there was a, a, a call in 2019 in Montreal, Canada, and people can look it up if they want to look it up online and see the pictures for yourself. And the story goes somewhat like this, whether it's 100% accurate, I can't be truthful with how the dispatching went. But it was toned out as is what I believe was an odor investigation. And in route to this odor investigation, they were upgraded to an explosion. So all of the, the, the firefighters on that rig and that brigade basically said to themselves, in my opinion, from what I read, is that they thought it was a standard, you know, what what is that, right? What the standard household explosion in the winter? Well, you got a gas leak, right? That's what they thought in their mind. They're thinking, holy cow, how bad is the explosion? Did it blow the whole house to pieces? What, what exactly was that? When they get there, they're confused because the house is completely intact. And there is a hole in the roof of the garage. The car was on fire, but very minimal of the car. I mean, for, for what an EV can do, it was like it was the front underneath the hood and it was coming out underneath in the belly of it a little bit. Um, they didn't even think about the fact that there was no garage door on it. They looked at it as it caught on fire and that's not, the explosion was maybe a tire going off or something along those lines. You know, it wasn't, their idea was not what it came out to be. Bottom line was go look at the pictures online and you'll see there's no soot above the garage door. You know, it's got brick, there's no soot. So if that was a fire, we've all seen those garage fires just black black smoke coming out of there there wasn't a lot of fire behavior they they put it out and got it under control fairly quick there was a massive hole in the roof no livable space above it it was just a standard like one car garage the garage door in one of the pictures you'll see where they have the caution tape is all the way on the other side across the street in the neighbor's front yard that's what happened was that battery that vehicle went into a a uh, thermal runaway stored that energy for an unknown amount of time found its ignition temperature also found its own oxygen without anybody being there and exploded and blew the garage door off and a hole through the roof so that's that was i believe 
one of the first times we ever have seen something like this. And now I think everybody in the world is starting to see that we have been talking about this for a while, that this is coming. And now they're starting to see these things even do that behavior off of a scooter in an apartment in a major city where you don't have a garage to store it. They're not putting it on their deck. They're putting it in their home and that thing's doing the same thing, but at a smaller level. So maybe the explosion isn't blowing out the, the whole entire apartment complex because there's not a lot of lithium ion batteries in there, but it's blowing a room apart into pieces and just igniting everything in there. It's off gassing and igniting everything in there. And if it's plugged in, giving it additional power from an AC current, it's accelerating that so fast that people are having a hard time escaping. So the probability of toxic gases overcoming them, right? As say you're sleeping in your room and it's a, it goes into a thermal runaway and it's producing carbon dioxide, it takes their oxygen away from them, right? There goes that situation. Now they're not even awake to know what's going on and these things off gas and then they ignite everything in the room and we're going in on a fire that we're used to fast growth fires, right? Legacy to modern. We're like, oh yeah, this is getting really, really fast. Well, now let's do legacy to modern, but let's go ahead and throw hydrogen and a little tiny mini bomb in your home. And now look at how fast modern, you know, construction room and content is burning. Uh, Those are the things that are super nerve wracking as far as um, how how do we prepare for that? And what do we do for that? And, And maybe maybe focus our energy on, on several things. I have multiple things going through my mind, but dispatching would be so important for us to know what we're going on way in advance. You know, uh, they, they're on the phone with these people. And if we knew that we were going on lithium ion battery fires or a garage fire, but we find out that there's stored energy in there and there's an EV in there and it's on the charger, that would put us on massive heightened alert and, and, and probably save some firefighters lives because The other part of that is when I tell you these things off gas, remember I told you the dry ice scenario, that dry ice scenario is identical to what it does at the bottom of the garage door. So when you pull up and you're, and you think you might have a, a a garage fire, the smoke is so heavy or sorry, the off gas is so heavy. It hugs the ground, but you see it as smoke. The difference is there's no rising smoke. It's low to the ground and it's almost, churning as it's coming out the bottom of the garage door that's a that's a warning sign we as from the fire service i believe i'm not like the best firefighter by any means you know i'm i'm I'm, i still got years left to learn a lot but i believe that we would be seeing smoke pushing out the top that would be like holy cow we have a ripping garage fire if i see white gas coming out underneath i think i would want to slow everything down that's just not normal but we also may get in that habit of going and doing what we have always done, which is take what tool to that garage door. You know, we take a K-12 to that sucker and we fire it up and we, we try to make an opening in there so we can get that hose stream in there. And it produces, it, it does two things for us that is not in our favor. It produces sparks and a ton of them. And then we just made the opening that it was looking for to get more oxygen in there. So we fed it an ignition source and we gave it more oxygen. Now all it needs to do is just ignite all of that hydrogen in there. And we're standing in front of the garage door and we just weakened the garage door. So it's going to come 
our direction. Um, man, I, I'm all over the place, but it's that's what I got. So thinking about that with EV cars or any type of lithium battery in a garage, in a house, I've been doing some reading looking at Teslas and they're talking about when they're in the, they have a, like, a, like almost like a break off. So if, the, if there is a, a fire and it's charging, it's supposed to tear off, the charger is supposed to tear off from the car to stop the car from catching fire. Yeah. But I've asked around and I, people have told me they don't really ever, ever heard that before. And wondering how would that, wouldn't it still affect electric car in some kind of way if there is a fire coming from the charging station itself in your house would it still have some effect on the electric car uh massively and so it's a good point you bring that up because exteriorly and interiorly but if i if those are correct words but uh the um exterior fire one of the major concerns i have is one an ev that catches on fire on a charger Okay, that's 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 the outside. Uh, the other one is that these things shut down their 12 volt battery systems when they go into a thermal runaway sometimes, which locks all your doors and can trap parties inside. So if you think that you're not ready to extricate somebody on a vehicle that's on fire, be be ready. So those are my two concerns with the fire that's outside. The inside is if it's also on a charger uh, for us, it's based on time. We what it's doing to the battery that's going into a thermal runaway it, for whatever reason. I mean, there is a bazillion of them, but it could just be, you, I mean, I tell people this all the time, what happens to your cell phone when it gets too hot outside, you don't, an iPhone particularly sits in your car for a little bit. What happens to it? Shuts down, turns off. Right. I mean, and you don't, you don't have a choice of that. It's, okay. it's electronics. So when it goes into a thermal runaway, it wants to shut itself down. Computers have problems. Um, it doesn't matter if it's Tesla or Rivian or whoever it is, a computer or an iPhone, it's gonna have a problem and it's gonna catch on fire. Samsung phones caught on fire like back in the day. Um, what you're doing is, and this will help you with this answer and I'm kind of going around here, but so batteries, when they're discharging, discharge right around 140 degrees okay so as they're driving down the road they're discharging at an at an operating temperature of around 140 degrees at about 200 degrees is when the battery goes into a thermal runaway okay it starts venting itself trying to cool itself down there are multiple different lithium ion batteries out there with an ignition temperature ranging anywhere from 325 degrees to 500-ish degrees. So from 200 to 500, it's venting. That's that thing when I was telling you earlier, it could be venting for days. I don't know how long, it, and we don't know, we haven't, it's so inconsistent. We haven't seen anything where it's like, yep, at 200 degrees, it's hitting this temperature at this time. No, at 200 degrees, it can take 35 seconds to hit its ignition temperature. And we're already seeing it take like upwards of 45 minutes to hit its ignition temperature, if not two to three weeks later. So, the, so that portion of it we know is happening from two to 500 degrees. But when you feed it an external power source from an AC current inside your home or these charging units, 
you're producing 480 volts of electricity that you're accelerating the charge of that battery. If that battery is already irritated and fired up, and now you're just going to feed it that fire, the fires on those particular units, including scooters, they're igniting within seconds because it's being just pushed, push, push power. And it goes from that two to 500 degree range in 45 seconds of it going into a malfunction, sends almost every battery that's around that area into instant ignition of that from that irritation. And then now you're feeding it more. So you're basically just taking gasoline and just pouring it on your campfire and just letting it get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and so, yes, I mean, you're, I don't know anything about it supposed, supposed to pop off that I, that I apologize. I don't have an answer if that's true. Um, but regardless, I have seen reports of several of these things catching on fire while on a charger. And I have not seen one of them pop off. And maybe that's the malfunction is that because it's not popping off, it's going into a thermal runaway. But again, we can't count that that would pop off because we see it with modern technology right now. Yeah, so it uh, seems like you're dealing with more multiple different types of fires all at the same time. If, if, if it's in the garage, especially if it's plugged in or not even plugged in off gasoline and you feed it some oxygen, it's almost, you're, you're playing with a bomb in many different respects, like you were saying before. Um, you know, I'm looking at it now thinking about well, take the car, take the car, put in the garage. And then you also, people are buying a lot of battery powered equipment. Yeah. You know, you're having uh, ion battery uh, snowblowers and uh, uh, lawnmowers and everything else. And they're storing them in a garage if they don't have a shed. I mean, that could also be a, a problem because, I mean, normally those aren't on a charging station, but are those still at the same time? Because I actually have a, uh, a snowblower. It's an electric snowblower. I just bought one. And I've noticed that when I take it off the charger, the batteries are smoking hot. And after I used it, the batteries are still burning. They're so hot. And I'm like, I don't know if I like this thing because it's always consistently hot. Yeah. And uh, the smell, the smell alone is uh, enough to just make me want to get rid of it. I only got it just because of the fact snowblowers were up in price, mine cracked out. I needed something in a pinch. That's all yeah. they had left. But it's a concern because you don't know what's in the house now outside of a car, they could have other scooters and other types of appliances that are, are being um, powered by these batteries. Correct. Yeah. And, and, and they all they, that... go ahead, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, could they do like a ripple effect? If one goes, could they all start? If it's all, they have them all in the same room. Yeah. You know, I, I can't rule that out either, but in, and some of the classes, well, all of my classes, but when I teach it, I talk about causes of what makes them go into a thermal runaway. And one of them at the very end says fire it, that is, and it's got question mark, question mark, and it's big and it's red because what I'm trying to get the point across to is that these things go into a thermal thermal runaway from external fires, just, just as much as they could go into their own thermal runaway, just from having a computer malfunction. And so like um, two things, if it's a car that's in a garage, and there was rags that were on fire and it was it was lit up and we don't do our investigation to find out that that was a lithium ion battery vehicle um, and take the right steps. Uh, we could potentially have 
a reignition of a reignition that we don't want to be responsible for. And so I'm, I'm also trying to change officers and firefighters tactics about if, if that is your call and you're able to stop the fire, you know, a little charring to the vehicle, but nothing crazy, you know, probably going to need a little Bondo or something. But the main body of fire was in the wall, the rags was, uh, you know, the storage stuff. And you get there and you put it out with your hose and you're like, well, everything's good here. And you leave. Those batteries might have received enough heat to be slowly heating, slowly. I mean, we're talking, it can be up to one degree, but if it goes one degree in 20 minutes, it's going to go three degrees in 45 minutes. It's going to go seven degrees in two days. It's going to go nine degrees in a week. And then all of a sudden it's going to get to that point to where it can reignite. And you got children that sleep above the garage in most homes now, or yourself, you know, the masters above the garage. What I have kind of, you know, at UL, we're just, we're, we're, we're a bunch of firefighters that work together to tell a bunch of engineers what the fire department wants to see. So I'm not perfect. They're not perfect. We're trying to get readings for all this stuff. Um, but one of the suggestions they have even made after all the testing they've seen is if that is your scenario, that car should be pulled out of the garage, out, don't leave it in there anymore, inform the homeowner of the possibility of these things going into a thermal runaway and telling them right now you can, you could probably drive it, but I, I do not recommend you putting that back in your garage for a minimum of three weeks drive it around and make sure you don't have any issues with it. Because if it catches on fire outside, whoop-de-doo. I mean, we, again, I'm probably just gonna let the thing burn. I'm not really too concerned about it, but I'm definitely more concerned about it going back in that garage. Uh, as well as those stored energy panels that sit inside the garage where they're, they're banking off that grid system. If a car catches on fire now and say you don't even it's not even an ev it's just a combustible motor catches on fire spray your water you do everything we've always done and then you're like all right take care have a great day and we didn't take a second to see that that was stored energy in there all those batteries could have received enough heat to ignite two weeks later same thing so the tactic should be we have to do some sort of investigation inform the homeowner that's a hard one though because you can't pull those out and so it's a sketchy scenario, but what you can do is shut down the power to the grid system. Don't allow any more sun to go into it. Don't allow them to utilize that anymore. Um, and then it, tell them they need to inform the, the energy company to come out and do a test on their system and make sure that there isn't any issues with the thermal runaway or anything wrong with the batteries. Um, and then honestly, I probably would tell them to not sleep in their home. Uh, until that's done, until the energy company has come out. So Red Cross should be involved, even though this was just a garage fire, the potential hazard for these things reigniting and that killing a, a civilian because it goes into a thermal runaway is there. I'm not going to say it's high um, because with all of these things, I work for NFPA. I actually work on an adoption program where I try to get people to adopt EVs. So I'm a firefighter who has concerns about things, but I also am going to fleet owners and mechanic shops and tow industries and telling them, you got to buy into these things. I truly do believe that though. I don't think they're of any fear to us. I think the fear that I have is that we're not training on it.
we're not we're not ready for it. And I that would be my I wish the government would put millions of dollars into training us to be prepared for this thing rather than worry about adopting more people. And as long as the fire service is ready for this, uh, I, I think we'll be able to handle all of it just like we have and we will adapt and overcome all this stuff. It's just going to be a, a, a long road uh, of, of learning lessons. And I hope the lessons learned are just a, uh, a rolled ankle, or, you know, or, or a, a paper cut on the finger. That's that's what I'm hoping for at this point. Yeah, Tom, you have any, anything you want to add in and ask? No, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, <clears throat> you mentioned a little bit back, like how we're starting to see more and more of these. And Nick mentioned it's in a snowblower. Like, where do you see the future of these batteries? Like at some point in time, years down the road, are you seeing that pretty much anything you can buy is going to be able to have a, an ion battery with it? Yeah, I, you know, honestly, I think it's all driven by the government. Um, I will tell you the adoption program that I work for and NFPA, that portion of it was funded by the president. Uh, and I don't remember the, the amount of money that they gave my, 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 my boss and the colleagues that I work with, they gave them a budget for it. Um, they're pushing for a hard push on, on, on all these vehicles to change over. I will tell you some, some real hard numbers and, and this is maybe kind of gives you an idea of where things are going. Um, but for example, like California doesn't even allow two cycle motors, right? And a lot of states are starting to just get rid of two cycle. I mean, it, it's, it's odd to me, but it's, they're very polluting, two cycles are. And so if they're that concerned about a two cycle motor that gets ran, like, you know, to, to weed eat some, some, some long grass on my fence line uh, and they want to eliminate that or eliminate my leaf blower, because they're concerned about it. I just think that that's kind of gives me an indication of where they want to go in the long run. But I will tell you in 2030 to 2035, I have been given two different numbers. So uh, I apologize to everybody watching if I'm wrong. Um, but I, I did a, a, a podcast with a, um, a, a guy who's in um, the UK. And so I, I did something similar to this to that that group out there. And I, I got to talk to them a bunch about where they're going. The UK is planning on banning all combustible motors by 2035. Um, the Netherlands is 90% converted over to EVs already. Um, I have been told California will not allow the sale, sale of another combustible motor after 2030. I don't, I haven't heard of a ban as far as like you owning it. I don't think that can be possible. So I have heard people tell me that. I just don't see how that can be possible. How are you going to tell someone they have to like get rid of their car? Right. So I think that the real thought would be, I think the ban of selling them is, is there. Um, I know the direction that the government wants to go, and, and that's right around um, 2035 is when the United States wants to go global with that concept. Um, and how they're already doing it is they're basically giving tax breaks and benefits to large companies like Amazon, FedEx, UPS to buy these things and convert their, and they're giving them millions of dollars. I, I mean, I, th I think it's, <laughs> I don't think that this is uh, something that FedEx is investing in or so forth. I think that the government is giving them a lot of money to do this. I, again, not a conspiracy, just 
where I think it's going. Um, and so uh, FedEx, gosh, I got to look back. I believe FedEx said they want to convert. Oh, yes, it is. 2030, their whole fleet, everything, including semi-trucks, will be completely converted over to lithium-ion batteries. 2030. And that was, a, that was straight from FedEx. Um, Amazon wants to beat them to that number. So to answer your question in a broad perspective, I think it is coming way quicker than we are ready for. And I think that is everything from lawnmowers. I was told just the other day uh, from Home Depot that they are talking about them not, Home Depot is not gonna sell gas powered uh, equipment anymore. And, and I, he didn't know when that was happening. He just told me that he was informed that they are trying to no longer sell lawnmowers that are gas powered, any of that stuff. And if you, and it, oddly enough, I went and looked and I was like, oh my God, Every, almost everything in there is plugged in or it is a lithium ion battery. You, you can't even really find like a, like where's the horsepower lawnmower at? I, I think it's just, that's the direction we're going. And it's like, I bring up like two things with that. So what you just explained, like I've read a little bit into it. So I don't know exactly, like, I don't want to say like I'm hitting nail on the head with this, but I read something that said that the way California is now, they're having some power outages and shit. I'm not sure if it's true, but uh, you know, it's almost as if they're dumping all the money into the EVs here, but they're not dumping money into the grids to support all everything they're going to need to to, I guess, charge them and whatnot. Yeah, that, that is, um, that's, you're accurate in that. In the, in the big thing with that is, um, I think a massive concern from the, from the uh, purchasing perspective, right? Like for me, I don't care if they figure out the grid system or not. I think we're still going to end up buying these things and these things are going to be out there all over the road. How fast with those numbers that I told you, will they actually get there? Because if they start to have a bunch of grid problems and they can't supply the, the electricity, well, that's going to slow down no matter what numbers they want to throw out there and say, we're going to be converted over by 2035. Well, sure. Good luck. You know, but I think the only difference between us is just that um, instead of it being uh, right now, there's 285 million vehicles on the road, just to give us an idea. Uh, I think, you know, it's, it, it's a hard press to say 285 million of those are going to be electric vehicles in, in, let's just say 12 years from now. Um, and, and I think they're going to run into those problems and it's going to, that's, what's going to slow it down is they're, they're accelerating, they're doing really, really good. And then they're going to find out, oh, we can't do this much power, slow down, slow the production down, all these things. And then next thing you know, we go from, and I'll give you these numbers in 2019, uh, 2020, 330,000 EVs were sold in 2021 in a pandemic year where they closed down half the dealerships. It was 660,000 EVs were sold. Um, and so you can see how it doubled in one year in a pandemic. They're, they're expecting 1.5 million EVs will be sold this year in 2022. Um, and then the next year, if you trend that same number, it will be 3 million in 2023. You know what I'm saying? You're not saying that's going to happen, but that's, that's the numbers that are trending. So 
when we look at that, even in, in, in general, 3 million next year, but we have 285 million vehicles on the road. I think we have a little bit of a longer road than. Yeah. Than, it's still a small number if you really want to kind of yeah. think about it that way. Yeah. And even out of vehicles, it's almost like it not only does it affect the fire service on that aspect of it, but it affects us on our daily operations. Uh, our ribs are our diesel fuel, our saws for roof operations. Those are all, you know, all fuel based. Yep. Um, we have some battery powered saws in our fire, in our fire department. Um, but not ones that we're taking to the roof. Yeah. So, but at some point in time, and especially if some of these states, if they're going to ban the sale of some of that, you know, is there going to be a, an exception for first responders or is it going to be, Hey, this is for across the board. Yeah. You know, that's funny. You say that because uh, is a person who's trying to focus on what to do with more, just like the concerns for us. I, I get that brought up to me a little bit here and there. I actually am people are probably going to hate me for this. Okay. Cause like we've all been these, uh, these go-getters, menly men and, and, and these women that are all go-getters right out there that want to get dirty and do dirty work with saws and stuff like that. Um, I'm actually a big fan of the battery operated saws and, and I'm not against them being on the roof. And with the studies that I have done, I've seen things fail. Yes. Fail very, very little in a, in a lithium ion battery and a saw, and this is maybe off topic. Now we're getting into roof vent because I, I do love roof vent. I talk about it a lot. Um, but we've had saws choke up on smoke. We've had saws where we get off the rig and you got the person over there and they're pulling it for five, two, you know, whatever minutes to get a saw started. Uh, I have a battery operated lawnmower and, and I converted from this thing that was, it was a 30 inch mower. My, my yard is small. I used to own a commercial landscaping business or landscaping business. And, uh, I had this awesome mower and I was so proud of it. I could literally mow my lawn in like four seconds. It wasn't even fun for me to mow the lawn anymore because it was just over so quick, but it smelt, it, it would be hard to start up in the in the summertime. So I'm like, you know what? I, what do I need this massive thing for? I bought a, an eco lawnmower. That thing never fails me. I hit a button and the, the motor revs up to his way higher revolutions per minute than my, my lawnmower ever did as a gas powered one. Uh, and I think about it from a perspective of like, if you're up on that roof, like, and you, you know, we charge those batteries, you know, we have batteries on everything nowadays. We got sawzalls that are batteries. We got, uh, batteries in our e-hydraulic extrication tools and we do everything functions great fires right up. We don't have to worry about nothing. I think the fail rate for a lithium ion battery in the fire service for what we need it for is less than something that's gas powered. Now, I know there's going to be a ton of firefighters out there that are going to hate me for saying this, but think about it from a perspective of those things have so much power, they can rip through some decking, rip through a bunch of shingles at massive amount of RPMs and never fail you in the thickest, darkest, blackest smoke you could ever imagine. And that thing will, will work right through it, won't bog down or nothing. I think it's a pretty, pretty eye-opening, trustworthy tool Although, does it scare me still with the battery fires of these things being stored everywhere? Yes. Uh, I think that the, the likelihood of, of that happening in the in the rig driving down the road is low, though, as far as them catching on fire in the back of the rig. 
Yeah, you're not the first person I've heard say that you're like you like the saws with the battery, and it's just at the end of the day, you have to think a company like Cutter's Edge. You know they're out there thinking about it. There's yeah. no doubt. So. Yeah. No, I think yeah, we'll I think time time will come where we will transfer or transition to. I think I think we will. How many people are working on a battery operated fan now? I mean, we work on a battery operated Dewalt fan. Good point. And the thing, and what's awesome about that is fires right up. I don't have to find a plug. How many times you pop a plug into an outlet and you have too many amps and it blows your breaker and now you don't can't use that plug anyways. Um, it, it does make a lot of life in the fire service is, is easier and, and lighter. Most of those equipment with batteries are lighter. Um, you know, I, I think that the, what, you have to also look at is when everything is starting to see these things and say, well, actually it kind of makes sense. It, it works really well. So is the entire world. So these things are popping up. Like you were saying earlier in your drive, in your garages, um, they are, they're popping up, um, in, in people's home. I'll give you a, a story. This is a, uh, me on a call. I went in on an odor investigation in this guy's house. He was a pilot and, he just came back from flying. He was a United pilot. And I can't remember exactly where, but it was like, I want to say five days, six days, something like that long. He came into his house and he had a weird smell. And I walked right in and I have a background of lithium ion batteries. And I didn't, I don't know enough about, I don't know if I've smelt lithium enough to know. Yep. Got it. Ding. Found out what that is. So I walked into it with my partner and we're looking around in there. Uh, we checked everything. We're like, God, we do smell something. And the monitor would read something at one point, you know, and on, oddly enough, it was, it would read like oxygen issues. And we're like, what is going on? Come back downstairs. We're like, man, it's gotta be the sewer in, in like the, the hot water heater, you know, like the nasty drains. We're like, let's grab some buckets of water. We're pouring water down there for them to try to figure out why this is now. These are in an apartment complex uh, they're like townhomes. They were uh, one, I think they were two stories with a basement. And, uh, and so fairly new. So it shouldn't have any issues really like with the sewer, but we're still like, all right, we'll do it. We'll, we'll do our job. Um, I, I carry a tick on me. It's a personal tick. Oddly enough, it's, it's, uh, it's right here, which I love this little guy. Um, but this, I carry that little personal tick on me and um, we, we were cruising through and looking to see like, I don't even know what I'm looking for. Well, all of a sudden the smell isn't going away. We're at like 20 minutes, 25 minutes on scene. We've opened windows. We told them we we're airing it out for them. We don't have any CO readings. So we're like, it's not CO. I went upstairs and all of a sudden I'm up there and he's got a bunch of band equipment. It could, he's got like guitars out there and a drum set. And it's in this like all this like it's like a bedroom, but he kind of converted it over to this. And he's got a closet. As soon as you walk in the door to a hard right, there's a closet. And I was just like messing around with the tick. And I looked and turned around and something was hot, glowing hot in the closet. And no smoke, no nothing. And the the readings on it were, you know, I don't remember anymore, 200 and something degrees or something like that. And I reached down and it was a lithium ion charging box that you can charge your cell phones on. Like you take it in your house and you charge it and then you go camping with it. And it was so hot. I could not pick it up with my bare hands. I had to put my gloves on. I mean, it was scolding hot. I don't even know how the plastic hadn't melted yet, 
but you could not grab it. So I had to put on my structural gloves or whatever gloves, the my utility gloves and take it outside and we put it on the front lawn. So which brings me back to your thing, anything going forward could produce the initial start of that fire regardless. I think, I think that we are going to start to see more fires coming down the road. I think we're starting to go away from it because all the, the codes and everything we're like, yeah, you know, we fixed everything and all of us are going, man, can it be 20 years ago where things are burning down all the time? You know, sorry for anybody who watches this, who isn't a firefighter, but you know, um, yeah, we, we really want that, that, that thrive for some more fire. I think it's coming because if, if a little charging unit like that, if that guy wouldn't have come home, that would have been a structure fire. I mean, it was 200 and some degrees. It was just waiting to hit its ignition temperature, which maybe would have been 400 degrees. And then it burns in that closet. He had a bunch of clothes above it and that's it, you know, wick. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So we've been going for an hour now. And uh, right. I know uh, it's about 10 o'clock here on the East Coast. What are you at about eight o'clock now? Eight o'clock here, yeah. Okay, yeah. So if you don't have anything else, we can wrap it up unless you want to keep going. No, I'm good. You know, I, don't, I, I know I can just blabber, man, and take, take away from you guys' talking. But um, I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, hopefully people realize there's a little bit of fear, but at the same time, not a lot of fear, just training what, we're, what we've been doing our whole life. Nothing, nothing big, nothing new. And I think, I think we'll be, we'll be good. Um, but if anybody has any questions or feel free, you know, shoot me, shoot me a message. Yeah. What's, what's your, uh, what's your contact info and stuff? You have a Instagram page and. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook and you can, uh, you can email me, uh, both Instagram pages are just next level extrication, um, Instagram and Facebook. And then my email is just next level extrication at gmail.com. That's Perfect. it. And, uh, yeah, shoot me, shoot me out, whatever you need. That'll all be in the show notes as well. So if anybody wants to contact, look them up, follow, learn, we'll be all there. Just click on it and you can reach out. So well, thank you everyone. coming from out there. Yeah. Thank you guys so much, man. You guys do good stuff. I appreciate everything and, and keep up the, Keep up the podcast, the YouTube stuff. It's good. Oh, we appreciate that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, thank, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you. Appreciate, appreciate what you're doing for the fire service and pretty much for the for the community as well. Keeping the awareness up so people know what's going on and how everything's changing in the world. It's, Someone's got to do it. It's a great well, thing going on. Yeah. Going. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Have a good night. You too. today's episode of the five tool firefighter podcast if you like what you heard and you want to hear more please subscribe to our podcast on apple spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts also please leave us a rating and don't forget to pick up the book the five tool firefighter available on amazon at the firehouse until next time work hard stay safe and live